It's the Get Off My Lawn podcast for the week of December 20th, 2015. On tonight's program, we'll hear comedian Jonathan Katz say, You are useless. I know. Totally useless. I've been told that by many people. And songwriter, musician, composer of our theme song, Brian Weideman, tells us about his vinyl fetish. But until I actually like, put on Apple Lawn, I was like, this is, this is cool stuff. And, and you really get the vibe for what people back in the 70s really liked about, oh, let's go over and listen to records. This podcast is sponsored by Kevin's Bookmobile. Check out www.lulu.com forward slash Marusic for a selection of books authored by your genial host. Buy a paperback or download an ebook and help support the podcast. That's www.lulu.com slash M-A-R-O-U-S-E-K. And by our tip jar. Like what you've been hearing on the show so far? Want to hear more? Then help us out by going to getoffmylawnpod.blogspot.com, clicking on the tip jar, and donating to the cause of creativity. No amount too large, no amount too small. That's getoffmylawnpod.blogspot.com. I'm your announcer, Craig, and here's your genial host, Kevin. Hello, this is Kevin once again live and direct from Backpack Studios, back at the home of Backpack Studios, which is not to be described as my bedroom or anything like that. We're not that low budget in operation, are we, Craig? No. No. Never. Certainly not. Craig and I aren't spooning right now for warmth because it's it's a cold, cold, cold evening. No. But let's be serious, though. Yes. It's not that cold. We're Southern California. That's true. What I'm happens still here... wearing flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but it is cold outside, it is little, folks. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a little thing. So that, that's where we are, and that's what's happening. Welcome back. And uh, we got... Uh, <laughs> Craig, I don't know how to describe this week's show to you. Experimental is what we're going to call it. Awesome. Experimental. Our, our guest today is a renowned comic, Emmy-winning, as I recall, if I remember his uh, his his imdb page correctly you might know him as dr katz professional therapist he is also jonathan katz that is our guest on today's show mr katz mr katz is here with us and we did an interesting thing where where we were able even though he wasn't physically at backpack studios uh he was able he has a little home recording setup so he was able to record his end of the audio oh do we have a bus driving by Not a sure. large truck a large something Driving by. There's that's a special sound effect we put in for you guys in the home listening audience at no charge. So anyway, we we, we have. I, I, if I sound a little flummoxed, flustered, flubbered is flubbered a word? Uh, it was in the seventies. Yeah, and it is now. Uh, you might hear some of that during the interview, and I don't really know how how else to describe it. Today's podcast is an experiment, is how we can describe it. There's a couple of things. First of all. I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Katz. I would not have even asked him to be on the show if I wasn't a huge fan. Second thing to know, Jonathan Katz is a professional comedian, and I'm totally not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I cannot emphasize enough that I have never taken an improv class. I have never taken a course in what it means to be comedic in any way. I try to be amusing. But there's a difference between, you know, cracking up your drinking buddies and actually attempting professional comedy. And But you have peaked on the genial scale. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, so during the interview, you're going to hear a couple of attempts, mostly on, on Jonathan Katz's part, to draw the comedian out of me. <laughs> 
and it and it I won't say it didn't go well, but I will say that it went in directions I would never have envisioned. That's really I I, I don't know how else to preamble this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it's a medium that <laughs> Allows you to come along for this hilarious journey. Exactly. You know how much you folks are paying for the podcast? Today, you're getting your money's worth, and that's what I'm going to say. And if you feel like you've been shortchanged, I assure you, I know. The fault is all mine. I get that, all right? I was working with a trained professional comedian who was being a trained professional comedian, and I'm not that so what you're about to hear is the result of that and I, I can't i hesitate to call it a conversation or even an interview because it it was neither of those things <laughs> and so we, we try a little something different and hopefully you, you folks at home will will enjoy it or i don't when i say at home i don't know where they're listening to this that's right they could be they could be on a furlough from some penal institution. I, I assume prison is related to most of our <laughs> listener base. I don't know why I've gone that route. I just instantly assume if you're a fan, you're a felon. That's just what it is. Uh, and this is, as what you're hearing now, better attempt at comedy than what you're about to hear with me and, and Jonathan. Not, again, a fel- I cannot emphasize enough, not Jonathan Katz's fault. If what you hear isn't to your liking... I will mea culpa, mea maxima culpa to invoke the Latin, if I may. <laughs> I don't know what line. Tell us were. what you didn't like. I would love to hear feedback on, on this one. This no, would I be wouldn't. great. We'll, <laughs> please do not. We'll share it on the next podcast. Do not please. give us feedback on this one. I don't want... Because yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're hearing me tell you that I know in advance. What you're, th- what you're about to think, what you're about to feel, yep. And as as it was happening, I'm with you. <laughs> and that's why we're releasing it during the holiday the season. The holiday season. In hopes that you'll have had too much eggnog yes. to care. Yes. So raise your glass of wassail and do some wassailing. Huzzah. Because <laughs> it's going to take a lot of wassail. <laughs> here, here uh, ladies and gentlemen, is, is my, my uh, foray into comedy with, with the legend that is Jonathan Katz. I would say enjoy it, but that even that is too much of a... Endure. Endure. (laughs) Thank you, Greg. (laughs) Even that. Funnier than what I'm about to do up this way. (laughs) Ciao. Back when I was in college and drinking quite a bit, I dreamed of being animated using the patented squiggle vision technique. I'm speaking now to one guy who might actually be able to make that dream a reality. Comic actor, writer, Emmy winner, Jonathan Katz. Thanks for chatting with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Kevin, can I ask you if you've ever uh, fantasized about inventing something? I, I've never been that creative, no. Why, you have an idea in mind? No, I, I'm just asking you to, to try to uh, think of something that maybe is marketable. Something that, something that, and, and if it's already been invented, that's okay too. Well, I think of of all the inventions I've seen recently that go out there, I like the new the the drones. But to me, they're just what I remember as a kid being the little remote control flying things. Yeah, it's a, they're a little scary. I think. Uh, I mean, I happen to love them, but there's part of me that thinks they're probably not a good force in the world. Well, as as with anything, you know, you figure out you know there's there's right ways to use it and wrong ways to use it. What what are you going to lecture me now? <laughs> 
Hey, this is going to be one of those interviews. I feel it already. Okay, hey, fair enough. <laughs> hey, Kevin, how old are you? <laughs> I'm about 42 years old. Oh, so you must have some point in your life had some idea for an invention. I'm, I'm, I wish I could come up with something witty and glib. And no, it doesn't, doesn't have I to got be nothing. funny. <laughs> it just has to be, uh, you know, useful in some way. And it, it, and it, again, like I said, it's okay if it's already been invented, because I won't, I won't. Uh, if you can describe it in a way that is not immediately apparent what it is you're uh, talking about. Hmm. Let's see. Well, I'll give you an, ex- I'll give you an example. Um, I, I invented something that permits you to go from one room to the next room uh, without any kind of destruction, destruction to the uh, in- integrity of the of the building you're in. So you've invented a door. Yeah. Well, well done. Um, but uh, I don't know. We we can we can come back to this idea. <laughs> and and by the way, squiggle vision is. I know less about squiggle vision than you do. Uh-oh. I suspect because that's that's a, an an invention of my friend Tom Snyder, who is the co-creator of Doctor Cats and is a scientist and an educator and was on the team that invented the Apple computer. Was he really? Yeah. I did not know that about him. Have have you seen the movie Jobs? Not yet, no. Oh, yeah. According to Tom, it's pretty, it's accurate in, in a lot of ways, even though it's a, a work of fiction. Right, It's the, that's the one that Aaron Sorkin did. There's been like 10 movies about Steve Jobs in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. There's probably another one being written right now. I, I, we may be starring in it, I'm not sure. I'm not available. No, because I'm I'm just trying to think of you know I've been recording with Andy Kindler and another comedian, and those are two areas I've been exploring. Ah, uh, I I love Andy Kinder on twin on Twitter. He just he is is yeah. one of the more entertaining people to follow. It's, are you, now have you been recording stuff for your podcast for the uh, yeah Neighborback podcast? Yeah, because that um, I was I wanted to talk to you about that because you know I'm a podcaster now too. I've been at this a couple of months. Have you figured out any way to make money in podcasting? Because I haven't yet. No. No, and okay. I've been doing it since 2007. Yeah. And I also, I've only had, I've only done 43 episodes because my podcasts are not driven by celebrity. Right. Um, my mother was from Russia and my dad from Hungary. Oh. And you asked me why I drink so much. Uh <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. But, um, well, this isn't going anywhere. I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> a lot of my, a lot of the talent I use in my podcast are uh, people who work for tech support, and they don't know they're being recorded. Right. Some of those calls are classic. Um, or... I think the last one I did, I talked about my ability to hear dead people. Yes. <laughs> and that's that could become a recurring theme on my podcast <laughs> because there's so many dead people out there. there you know, that's, it's, it's, it's a problem. We need to do something about it. Yeah. You know, that's that's an interesting point of view. And how, what what would you uh, propose doing about it? To, to cure death? I don't know. It's, Not to cure death, but just to round up all the dead people. 
Um, well, they're, they're, they're making that Ghostbusters remake. I suppose they'll all want to go and watch that. So maybe while oh, they're in yeah. the theaters, yeah. you know, some way to trap them there. Have you thought about, I don't know, you're much younger than me, but have you thought about whether you'd like to be buried or cremated? Oh, I wouldn't care. (laughs) (laughs) When when it gets down to that point, just, you know, find a nice stretch of beach and lay me out next to it. I'll be fine there. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah, please do. Um, Because I've told my wife on a number of occasions that what I'd really like is to be buried alive. Because that way you still have a fighting chance. You're buried, but it's not necessarily over. No, it's 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 a it's a better transition, I think. It's true. It's it's more gradual. I think the best way to die die is the way this guy died in Florida a couple of years ago, who fell into a sinkhole. That's the best way to go. Yeah, because it's so instantaneous, and you're you're asleep one second, dead the next. That that's. Again, an interesting perspective. Of pounds of dirt. <laughs> so, are you, Kevin? Do you have a wife? Uh, sadly, no. I, I am single, and at the moment, about the only thing. Well, I'm pet sitting. Does that count? There's a dog at my at my feet. Oh yeah, I have one of those too. Yeah, when I was recording Andy the other day in my studio here, my dog has this. An enormously awful hacking cough. That and wasn't Andy. Andy. You know, we used it as part of the podcast. Andy said that he one of the reasons he can't come to Newton to work as my assistant is because it's not good for his health. <laughs> I offered him a job as my personal assistant, and he wasn't even slightly interested. Well, I I can't imagine when. Well, it, how does what does it pay? Are, are there benefits? It does no. The, the, there is no pay. There is no pay. I'm not, re- I'm not really in a position to pay him. Is what I said. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I suppose personal assistant to a podcaster is going to be about the lowest paying job out there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still what, do uh, stand up? I know you released the Doctor Cat's live CD a year or two ago. I don't know if you still are out on the road at all. Well, I'm doing the I'm doing the festival circuit. I'm doing. A show in San Francisco in January, and which is a combination of stand-up, and then I move over to the set of Dr. Katz, and I do the live show. And that's going to be with uh, Andy Maria Bamford, nice. a woman named Chelsea Peretti. Do you know her work? I've heard the name, yeah. And Janine Garofalo. Also nice. Um, I think I'm leaving out somebody. But uh, anyway, those those shows are... Both uh, intimidating and fun. I mean, it so requires so much preparation. And as a guy living with MS, it's the traveling part is challenging. I can I I, I can't imagine, but I, yeah, that's you were diagnosed with that or officially sort of revealed it back in the late nineties, didn't you? Yeah, well, actually, I wasn't. I was sort of reluctant to talk about it because I was producing a show for for uh, the WB and working on the Paramount lot and afraid I would get fired Um, because the law is very odd about disability unless you um, reveal your condition to your employer they're not really obligated to accommodate you and you know I was afraid to go to talk about it and I was afraid not to talk about it 
and then and I was asymptomatic for many years. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know I had MS unless you were in a room and the temperature outside was uh, 90 degrees in Los Angeles and the temperature inside my office was about 30. <laughs> because one of the things about MS is people are very susceptible to heat. So when I had a writer's room in L.A., everybody wore down jackets. <laughs> now, I know back back then the West Wing did a big storyline about the, the fictional president, oh, the president. Had, yeah. Yeah, getting MS. Did that help or hurt the cause, do you think? I think it's. I think it helped. I mean, just and just in terms of awareness, and I think the guy Bradley Whitford was one of the stars of that show. Yeah, and I think he has some personal connection to the illness. Hmm. Um, and most people do. Uh, you know, that's probably. I'm probably not the first person you've talked to who had some connection with MS. No, yeah, I know a couple people with it. Yeah, and it's a weird sci-fi disease. Um, one of the things that, that's surprising about MS is that if you live near the equator, you're less likely to get the illness. So simply by raising the equator as little as 500 miles. <laughs> There's an invention we need. Yeah. Let's get on that. I mean, so that that's one of the things about MS is I have another 20 minutes of material. It's the only, <laughs> and I have an MS act. Which is different than my stand-up act. That's that, that, that's unique. Yeah. But you still you said you still tour. It's just the traveling can be grueling at times. Yeah, it's a little more challenging. Yeah. You know, I, I need uh, a down a couple some downtime to bounce back. And how are you with? St I mean, well, we talked about Doctor Katz very briefly, and there's a lot of shows. Well, pretty much every show is getting remade now, and plus you're doing it live. Is there any chance that uh, Doctor Katz will make a comeback somewhere soon? Well, that's a, a rights issue. Um, and, you know, Comedy Central owns the copyright. Oh, do they? Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's really, uh, they're not very flexible that way. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I tried looking stuff up about you on, on online, and we never know how accurate anything on the Internet is. So I'll assume it's all a rumor until you confirm it. But uh, okay. you... <laughs> You did some uh, writing with David Mamet back in your beginning of your career? I did. Well, we we went to college together, oh. and um, we worked in, in Chicago. We worked. We both had a job at a place called Web Realty, hmm. where our job was to sort of try to get the salesman into the front door of a house to, to make a sale. And they were selling land in Florida, these guys. But our office was in Chicago, and based on that experience, David wrote Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, mm -hmm. and I got paid $110 a week. And he also won a Pulitzer Prize. All at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he's such a prolific and talented guy and a good friend. What was the process like of writing with him or working alongside him? Is there something that makes how he does it unique to the world of writing? Well, he very much believes in, in the written word, doesn't believe in going off script. Um, although when I, I did a movie with him, I, I was allowed to go off script, a movie called Things Change. Um, and when we worked on the House of Games together, mm -hmm. my job was to get him coffee, 
and his job was to write a movie. <laughs> but but we, it was based on our, on our mutual fascination with con artists. And we both, we did try to, to con people in college and after college, mostly around uh, pool and ping pong. <laughs> con people at ping pong? Yeah. How'd that, how'd that go? Well, you know, I was in the, in the sixties, I was New York state champion. And then in the, in, in the seventies, I was one of the top 25 players in the country. And if somebody w- could beat me, I would recognize them by sight. So I could walk into a, a college campus where they had a ping pong table and I could offer somebody a lead of 18 points and a game to 21 and be reasonably sure I'd win. But that's not what I did. I, I would let, uh, I would play David and I would lose. And then I would challenge somebody else to win my money back. So here, the, what, what was the character from the movie Fast Eddie? Is that what it was? Uh, Fast Eddie was a pool hustler. Right, but you were a ping pong hustler. Yeah. Okay, and and did that did that get you any money or? Uh... Well, you know, enough to buy dinner or <laughs> invite some woman to join us for dinner. Well, sure, because chicks to... dig ping pong players. Oh, uh, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> oh, wait, you might know the half. Yeah, of it. I think we've discovered the the half of it right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm using a windscreen. That's the uh, that's the one part that's kind of annoying because I'm using this metal windscreen. Yeah. Made by a company called S, like Sam E, and it's really effective, but it's also sharp. Well, I don't think you're supposed to actually touch the windscreen. Oh, damn it! Yeah, take your face just a little ways away. Yeah. There and what kind of what kind of microphone are you using? Um, I've got a basic, what, a, a Shure SM58. Right, I'm using the same thing. Are you really? Yeah, although I do have two broadcast mics, but they're just, they're so heavy that they, the arm that I'm using, they, the arm can't support the weight of the RE20. That's the mic no. that I have. Yeah, I have, I have so many great recording devices, it's a little embarrassing. wife on on Christmas Day 1979. She didn't know it was Christmas. I didn't know it was 1979. Well, that's a match made in heaven right there. Yeah, and now we have two daughters and two grandchildren. Wow. Both of whom are sexually active. I I, I didn't ask. And they're only two and three. Well, you know, it's good to learn these things at a young age, but there there might be limits. Let's try one other thing. This is, has to do with with my podcast for a second. Sure. I'm going to pretend that I own and operate a voiceover studio. Okay. Do you have any kind of magazine or, or a book near you? Um, books near me. You can tell the place I'm living in has kids. So your options are Thomas the Tank Engine or Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, can you read uh, the first one? But pretend that you're reading it to, uh, a, not to kids, but to an ad- to adults, a room full of adults. To a room full of adults. All right. To, right. 
Well, here we, <laughs> here we go. Well, little Thomas, chuckled Gordon, now you know what hard work means, don't you? Poor Thomas couldn't answer. He had no breath. He just puffed slowly away to rest and had a long, long drink. Now, can you can you just say that without reading it in your own words? No, that's asking too much. I'm sorry. That could but, be. Uh, whose kids are they? Uh, <laughs> again, I'm house sitting and pet sitting, so it's my friend Craig's kids. Oh, oh! I just want to make sure you didn't break into someone's home to read their books. Don't don't try to judge me. Okay. Well, if you have any questions, I'll try to respond to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't start out that way. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> I had I had a bunch of notes, but you've had, you've had me going in twenty different directions. I freely admit yeah, to being I, I uh, to discombobulated deflect, here. Deflect questions and <laughs> ask my own. But I'm fine with that. It's 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 making it a different podcast, if nothing else. I, I may have to use your theme music when I go to uh, post it. Hey, have you ever um, been in therapy? I, I would love to, but I don't have the budget for it. Health insurance I've got covers everything but but therapy, sadly. Yeah. Well, let me let me give you a really inexpensive. What kind of phone do you own? An iPhone. Do you have Siri? I do. Uh, let me let me just. I'm just going to try something for one second here on my end. Okay. Siri, do you find me attractive? Oops. So she's not responding. Yeah. Hang on one second. I, I know many women like that. Siri, I'm feeling sad today. What should I do? Life, as I understand it, is sad, beautiful, and everything in between. Nope. Did you hear, did you hear her response? I, I can hear her basically. I don't know where she's going with it, though. What, what she said was, life is beautiful, I hear, sad, wonderful, and everything in between. Yeah, I... I you know, if you can't afford therapy, you can ask Siri the same questions you would pose to a shrink. I, I find that Siri doesn't like me. She yells at me. Oh, really? Yeah. If you know, if you ask her for directions and stuff, she you know, the, she never really gives the the actual answer. She'll sort of work her way around it. Not want to. She's very evasive, Siri. At least my Siri. Yeah. Chicks. Do you exactly. have a female voice or a male voice? Do uh, my, I still use the female voice? I tried the male yeah. voice for a while, but that seemed even angrier at me. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> well, let's not do thinking. Thinking is highly overrated right now. Um, yeah, it's also, it's also, in terms of audio, unless we're thinking about dead people. Yeah. <laughs> not that, not that useful. No, not at all. Hey, did you go to summer camp again? Um, I, I, well, I did, uh, the, one of the schools that I attended had sort of the week-long science camp where we went to Catalina Island for a week. Well, that sounds nice. I enjoyed it. I, a couple of years back, I was yeah. uh, teaching at a middle school, and we got to go back to the same camp, and it was kind of interesting. It was very sort of surreal, because I was there as a kid, and then 30 years later, was there as a teacher with kids, so. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is your problem, but my, I spend much too much time in my past. Yeah, the um, past is overrated. Yeah. But it's tough to spend time in the future. Not anymore. No? Um, no. Is, is but, that the um, new invention? Not mine. I, thought, I was hoping you came up with something. 
know, podcasting is tricky. I mean, do you do a lot of editing or do you just sort of leave it alone? Um, it kind of depends on the show. This one will probably require a little editing. <laughs> oh, my God. You're not kidding. But from me as well. It's, you know, it, it, it depends on sort of, the again, the way the, the interview goes. I try to keep them more conversational in tone. You know, I, I have yeah. a couple of questions prepared, but I've learned if all we do is ask the prepared questions, I get very dry answers from people, so... Yeah, what's what's really bad conversationally is when you're performing on stage, and you know, like I I did a show in um, Toronto with, and Doug Benson was one of my patients on Doctor Katz, and it was just like two guys having a conversation. There was no conceit even about therapy. It was just so I I, I don't people were laughing because it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> And there's there was and also there was a guy named do you know who Chris Gethard is? Um, I don't recognize the name. Yeah, he's a young, kind of a newcomer to comedy. But how would you pronounce the word S T R E S S? That would be stress. Say it again. Stress. Yeah, and he was saying stress like with an H in it. Huh. And he was talking in therapy in front of a live audience about how stressed out he was mispronouncing the word stress and I called him on it <laughs> probably didn't help and his stress level oh no that that was possibly the best moment of that show because he couldn't believe I was pointing it out in front of an audience <laughs> but if you listen if you listen to people you know say the word strong mm -hmm. a lot of people will add an h just sort of unconsciously Subconsciously. Subcon yeah. Like how know, would you say strong? Just strong. Yeah. No, no H well, that I'm aware have, of. Nope. No, you you don't have any problems there. I I, I passed the strong test. There we go. Yeah. So let me see you in two weeks, and uh, <laughs> we'll work on some some verbs and some adjectives. Oh, uh, that no no that that we may need to slow it down a bit. Like, do you have people that walk up to you and want to do sort of an improv therapy session on the street? Does that happen with you a lot? Uh, no, but um, friends of my daughter's, uh, uh, my, I have two, my 32-year-old daughter, she has friends who still think I'm a therapist. And they <laughs> well, I can understand it was shot in the documentary style, that Dr. Kemp. Yeah. Not only am I not a therapist, I'm not that sensitive. No. But that would be a good bumper st sticker. When I, I was in a fender bender not so long ago, and the woman driving the car insisted that we exchange information. So she gave me her license, and I told her about Marie Curie. <laughs> hey, that's what you get for free. That's and yeah. I'm that's the, that's the free joke. I like that. That's a... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to somebody who's way healthier than me, and I don't know if you're into fitness or health or anything like that. I am clearly not. If you were to look at me, you would agree. Uh, have you ever had one of those organic, gluten-free donuts that, frankly, are, they're horrible? No, in fact, I'm not quite sure what gluten is. I don't know either. It's a word that I've only recently yeah. heard the last couple of years, and before that, I never heard anybody with any problems to gluten or allergies to gluten. That's just yeah. a recent thing. I, I'm more I'm more drawn to free gluten than gluten free. Sure, sure. I'm well. That can be said about pretty much anything. But yeah, yeah. 
I, I, don't, I tried one of these. They, they brought it to me, and they wanted me to try it. They're like, oh, this is great. And I, I, I thought they were my friend, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my wife is really into healthy food, and I'm, I'm into being a good sport. Yesterday, a photographer came here from New York, and he got me somehow to be photographed in the tub. Uh, but I was fully—I I was wearing shorts, a t-shirt, and a hat. Was was this and a I, professional photographer? Yeah, he was really good. It's for a book called Hilarious, a book about comedy. <laughs> but that's about as close to exposing myself in public as I'm ever going to get. Well, you know, verbally you do it on stage, I suppose, but... Yeah. Now, are you one of those comedians, you know, they they seem to have, everybody sort of has that troubled childhood, you know, dark past, you sit at home and brood all day, is that you? No. But my, my comedy, a lot, a lot of it is very dark. I mean, I talk about... I talk about uh, abuse, being abused by my rabbi when I was 12 years old. He said to me, Jonathan, any change you find in my pockets, you can keep. And years later, I told this to my shrink, and she said, Jonathan, that is so lucrative. (laughs) But, I mean, I talk about uh, all kinds of dark subjects. So you don't, but you managed to sort of skip that, the the traumatic aspect of of your life and just sort of put it out there on the stage? Yeah. Okay. You're you're the only comic I know that, as you said, has, has an MS set, so. It's true. And I and I only talk about that uh, when I'm being paid to talk about living with MS. You do like uh, health conventions, things like that. Well, I do some pro bono work for the MS Society, but oh. sometimes I'll get a gig through a pharmaceutical company, and they have a lot of money. Hey, do you have any associations with Second City? Um, I've met and encountered a couple people who've been in and out of their programs, but no no direct connection, no. Right. You are useless. I know. Totally useless. I've been told that by many people, mostly women, sad to say, but I've been told that by many people. So, have you, so you've never been married? I have not. I know, and at 42, people start to ask questions at that point. Yeah, well, uh, you know... 42 is relatively young, you know. Uh, I, I know it may not feel like that, but it's pretty young. Well, I, you know, I've, I've entitled my podcast the Get Off My Lawn Podcast because I've sort of embraced, you know, a lot of people as they get older, as they hit their whatever over-the-hill years or midlife years, they try to, you know, go, you know, they they try to pretend they're not getting older, and I've just decided to embrace it. You know, they try to replicate things they could do as a younger person, which is really embarrassing. Well, yeah. I've got a friend who's my age, and, you know, he still goes clubbing on the weekends. And I don't want to be that guy at the club. I don't know if you've ever hit that scene, but you see the guy, you know, the, everybody's in their 20s. And then there's that one older guy. He's got the leather jacket. He's sitting off in the corner pretending he's not 40. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't know if you heard that sound. I keep getting updates from the local ABC affiliate here. Yeah about terror threats and apparently um my home is surrounded by homeland security no that's that's not true but there is some some suspicion about a bag left at, near the seaport in boston 
Huh. Yeah, the most recent one happened just up the street from me here in San Bernardino. Oh, so. oh are you near San Bernardino? Yep. Oh, jeez. That must have been scary. It was It was weird. I, you know, I, it turns out I, I don't have, again, any direct connection to anybody who was killed, but I went to the same high school as one of the guys. He was a couple years younger than me, which was sort of a start. Mm. I don't know. Brought it, in, brought it into, I don't know. I've, start, I've started writing politicians now, <laughs> which is something I never used to do when I was younger. And yeah. sort of trying to get in. They don't respond. I get a lot of emails from politicians, but they don't respond to me either. Yeah, they they tend well. Yeah, when I when I get messages from them, they're asking me for money or to vote for them, but they never seem to want to tell no. me why I should give them money or vote for them. The woman who the person who drives me nuts is Carly Fiorina. Oh yes, but it's just this fabrication, these fabricated videos about Planned Parenthood, and what bothers me is that she used to work for a company that a, that made Windows computers, which came with a utility for editing video <laughs> but she still can't figure out how such a thing could be possible yeah 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 she's she's not well liked in california she tried running for governor i know senator a year or two ago two years ago right. and she's one of the richest women in the state financed her campaign with millions of dollars and still managed to lose yeah i wish her a lot more failure in her life yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you on that like i said we try not to you know, bring the podcast down but i don't know where i don't know what yeah. other direction to take it <laughs> Well, let me see. Let me see if I can get us out of here on a more upbeat note. What you got? Um, um, let me see. Maybe I can do something musical. I do have a piano behind me. Nice, ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Katz on the piano. Check. Check. Yeah. Check. There are times. Yes, there are times. Yes, there are times that I feel. Yes, there are times. Yes, there are times There are times Yes, there are times Yes, there are times That I don't Yes, there are times Yes, there are times So I've learned Yes, I It's just, I was trying to write a funny song about using this keyboard, which I can play with one finger. Yeah. Because it's a synthesizer with a lot of built-in... Oh, yeah, the sample sounds and things. Yeah. Hey, I think I'm going to have to sort of wind, uh, wind it down here because... My wife and I are going out to dinner in a while. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I don't know what either of our podcasts will sound like if anything comes out of this. But <laughs> frightening. A little frightening. A little bit. But, I, um, well, I okay. want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me here this yeah. afternoon and uh, you know have, have fun at uh, dinner with the missus. And okay, really a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> thank you so much, Jonathan. It's time once again for our shameless pandering to hipsters and audiophiles alike. Here's Kevin with today's Vinyl Fetish. <laughs> hey, we're back. Is the name of Jonathan Katz's podcast. If you want to hear him improvise with professionals, in other words, not me, uh, check out his podcast, which includes intentional attempts at laughter, as, 
as opposed to whatever I, I attempted. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again to Jonathan Katz. It was, it was memorable is what I can say it was. It was a memorable experience speaking to the man, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Right now, we have our Vinyl Fetish of the Week, and this week it is not only the man who uh, has created our theme song, for the, he's also the man responsible for the little musical zingers you heard throughout this week's episode, and he's got a brand new album out right now which you can find out about, well, Craig tells you where to find out about it at the end of the show, so I will let him do that because he has a professional voice and I've been under the weather this week, so my voice sounds a little bit more gravelly than it probably should, though. Maybe it sounds husky and rugged and manly. I really, I'm so congested I can barely hear. So anyway, here is Brian talking about his vinyl fetish. Well, when it comes to vinyl itself... Um, my experience with vinyl has been fairly recent in my life. Um, I'm just young enough that I didn't grow up with vinyl, I grew up with cassettes. Cassettes and then CDs in high school. So I don't have any childhood reminiscences. You didn't have of, the Fisher-Price turntable or anything? No, no, no. My dad had the vinyl collection and still does. Um, but I didn't grow up with it. So any vinyl experiences or fetishes I have are more are, are not nostalgic so much as just retro you know, you're a hipster the, just I'm, yeah <laughs> no that's so like uh, i keep saying we pander to hipsters here we're fine with it if it weren't for the fact that i cannot pull off skinny jeans <laughs> and a man bun i would so fit in with the rest of the hipsters i just i cannot in fact go ahead take for take a moment picture that i don't want to yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem um, with the hipster culture. Yeah, I, I I probably am a hipster insofar as I oh think I'm becoming popular. Oh well, I shouldn't like it as much because ah, but I don't want to be a hipster because being hipster is kind of popular now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see? I forget it was the Simpsons Lollapalooza parody episode, and again, Maybe Simpsons has been around for fifty years now, so it's been probably ten, fifteen. Is that years. the one with Billy Corgan on it? I think so, it but it, it was the one when there are two kids in the audience, and somebody comes out and they're like, "Oh, they're cool," and the one guy turns to the other kid and goes, "Are you being sarcastic?" He goes, "I don't even know anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's yes. how I feel about the hipster cultures. They don't know what it is they legit don't like and what they're, you know, hipsterish revolting against. It was based on some abstract disassociation with, but it's, but they're all the same anyway. Yeah, so whatever. Exactly. So music. Um, but when it comes to actual music, um, well, in general, my inspiration is as a, as a guitarist. I have a lot of um, as a affection for classic rock. Lots of classic rock sticks out to me. Um, I got lots of classic rock on CD. And so, um, lately, my, my wife dug out her turntable, and she had a few LPs on, on vinyl. And so we've been browsing the, the vinyl shops and kind of picking up things. It's like, oh, I really like this. Long ago, Audrey and I decided um, we were going to do... If, if there was a night where we didn't want to watch TV or didn't want to go out, we would do album nights where we opened up a bottle of wine and just put on an album. Whether it was on iPod or CD, um, it didn't matter, but it was the experience of listening to an album that was a beginning-to-end experience. A side A, side B kind of thing. 
and the only rules we had were like no greatest hits collections. It didn't have to be old or new, it was just kind of something that the original album was supposed to be a beginning to end, here are all the songs. It wasn't just a bunch of right. singles or whatever. And so we really fell in love with learning, just knowing albums. Because that's how I grew up with cassettes. You had no choice but to listen to it, right. the whole side A and then the whole side B, or you had to rewind it. And so for that reason, um, I, I like vinyl a lot because it's the same kind of thing. Sure, you can skip ahead to the track you like, but it's just easiest to just put it on the beginning, listen to the whole side, flip it over, listen to the whole side. And so those albums that really took that that genre, that medium of the, okay, here's 20 minutes, here's another 20 minutes, and here's a whole 40 to 45 minutes of just experience. Really like that. So, when it comes to specifics, we've been listening to some Jethro Tull. We have a, a, a decent collection now, it's not too big, but the albums that we that we have on vinyl now, that we put on and just listen to the most often, I think, are Aqua Lung and maybe Thick as a Brick. Those are like... Because we didn't grow up with Jethro Tull. We found them like after the fact. I knew, I heard the name, right. and my dad loves them. But until I actually like put on Aqua Lung, and I was like, this is, this is cool stuff. And, and you really get the vibe for what people back in the 70s really liked about, oh, let's go over and listen to records. Yeah. What you can do with progressive rock at that point. Oh, yeah. And again, just thinking about the you know linear editing, you know, limited tracks, limited ways yeah. of recording, that they were able to, you know, Aqualung has so many complex sounds to it, because mm -hmm. the brick has so many things woven in and out of what is essentially one song. Yeah, those, those long uh, rhapsodic kind of things, where it's like you have ideas that come and go, and it's all fluid, so, so that when it's like, I, I, th I have the CD of Thick as a Brick, and it's just Thick as a Brick Part 1, Thick, Thick as, as a Brick, brick Part, part two. 2. There's yep. nowhere you can really cut it off. Right. And even, I have a, a Greatest Hits um, Jethro Tull CD. That has like and, the radio and edit. the song Thick as a Brick, it just fades out awkwardly. Because yep. <laughs> there's nothing else you can do with it. Um, and so, uh, I'm a big fan of Rush, and so I've been picking up some Rush um, vinyl. They're another band, Progressive Rock. It's like, you just have, okay, here's your your 22 or so minutes to, to work with, and if you want to make them concise, radio-friendly songs, or you just kind of want to go off the rails and just kind of just do soundscapes. Um, I have a, a respect for crafting an album that way. I mean, that's kind of what I try to do. Plus, so, Geddy Lee appeared with the McKenzie Brothers, so, you know. You he did. Take off. Take off, eh? Take off, eh? That's if I if I could find that that McKenzie album on vinyl, uh, yeah, that would be a good purchase. That's I have that on CD and yeah. I've heard it and I know it by heart. I think I haven't listened to it in so long, but yeah, that that's one I would have. Um, what else do I have on vinyl? Actual vinyl, I have. Um, I picked up some Ian Hunter and some uh, Mott the Hoople, only because uh -huh. that's that's a holdover from my dad. He's the biggest <laughs> fan of them, and so I've. I've collected that, and I love it, too. It's just classic rock stuff. Well, yeah, my collection started basically inheriting bits from my family as they mm -hmm. stopped having record players. So, you know, I have all of my mom's old Christmas vinyl, as well <laughs> as the vinyl that she had when she was a first-grade teacher. So I have the Sesame Street album <laughs> with the original <laughs> cast on vinyl, nice. which, you know, why? But I got it, oh, just no, in that's... case, you know. And then I also have, you know, my brother, when he transitioned out of vinyl and onto, you know, tape and CD, you mm -hmm. know, so I have, I don't think it's the first edition or first pressing, but I've got Jefferson Airplane's, you know, 
surrealistic pillow with white rabbit and everything on it. I've got a couple of other ones that are like that of that era. I've got Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah, no, my wife's holding up Queen. We've I, I've been listening to a lot of Queen lately, and yes, I picked up the Brian May guitar. Yeah, it was on sale several months back, and I <laughs> I bought it on a whim one night when I was drunk. I bought it online, and she resents me to this day that I put it on my my 36 month financing account. It's like, oh, it's come on, it's 20 bucks a month, whatever. And look how good it looks mounted on oh, the wall like that. No, I could break it out and play. It's it's a very good playing guitar. I like it. It actually appears a lot on the album. Um, but yeah, Queen was another band that kind of beginning to end. They kind of had more delineated songs. Yeah. They didn't overlap much, but just the tracking, song one, two, three, and four, it's like they work as a as a first side kind of a thing. Be sure to tune in next week for all of my interview with Brian Weiderman. And we at Backpack Studios went to him. Not only do you get to hear him talk about music and composing and sort of his ideas and thoughts on the subject, but you also get to hear a couple of live performances. So not only did you hear some music from, uh, well, I guess you can call it the Cats and Jammers, Jonathan Katz and his sampler keyboard, but also next week you will hear... Brian performing live for us a couple of exclusive tracks for our podcast. So we had an exclusive track from Jonathan Katz. We have a couple of exclusive songs next week on the show. What can I say? Hey, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody, and we will chat with you on the next podcast. Until then, you know what the music means. Get off my lawn. This has been the Get Off My Lawn podcast, brought to you by Kevin's Bookmobile. Check out www.lulu.com forward slash Marusik for a selection of books authored by your genial host. Buy a paperback or download an ebook and help support the podcast. That's www.lulu.com slash M-A-R-O-U-S-E-K. And by our tip jar. Like what you've been hearing on the show so far? Want to hear more? Then help us out by going to getoffmylawnpod.blogspot.com, clicking on the tip jar, and donating to the cause of creativity. No amount too large, no amount too small. That's getoffmylawnpod.blogspot.com. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at getoffmylawnpod. Check out our SoundCloud at getoffmylawnpodcast or subscribe to us on iTunes for the latest episodes questions or comments to suggest a guest or to offer us fat wads of cash in exchange for promotional consideration our email address is getoffmylawnpod at gmail.com the theme was composed and performed by brian weideman check out his music at www.worldbride.com that's w-o-r-l-d-b-r-i.com the logo was designed by julie Contreras at urban bird design Go to urbanbirddesign.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend.